You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont of BaltimoreFeather.com, bringing you episode 31 of Nest Talk, recorded here on March 27th, 2019, straight out of Baltimore City, Maryland. Now, this has been a pretty uneventful week for the Baltimore Ravens, but we still do have news to cover, and the biggest piece of Ravens news from this past week is, of course, that the Ravens re-signed backup quarterback Robert Griffin III to a two-year, $4.5 million deal that will keep him in Baltimore as Lamar Jackson's backup. Now, as many of you know from previous podcasts, maybe you read my blog, BaltimoreFeather.com, you will know that I am very... I was very much in favor of re-signing Robert Griffin III. I thought he brought a veteran presence uh, to a quarterback's room with, you know, just Lamar Jackson, a second-year player within it. Um, and, you know, that veteran presence will be tremendous in helping the Ravens um, down the, down the uh, stretch here. I'm sorry, not down the stretch, but next year and then, then the year after that, giving Lamar Jackson kind of a mentor, someone to look up to and learn from. Now that Joe Flacco is gone, he doesn't have him to look to. Uh, And, of course, Robert Griffin III um, provides that extra sort of um, athleticism that will be needed in this Lamar Jackson-led offense. So if Lamar Jackson does go down or needs to be replaced in a game, Robert Griffin III should be able to handle all the responsibilities that Lamar Jackson had. Now, of course, Robert Griffin III had those injuries uh, over the past few years. Um, you know, in Washington, he was all almost always injured. Cleveland, he got injured, was out for most of the year. Last year, I don't believe he was injured at all, um, but mainly because he barely played. He only touched the field a few times when Lamar Jackson was injured for a few minutes. Um, but when he did touch the field, he did pretty well. I think that Robert Griffin III, he's a solid passer, um, and he can still run. He showed that off, too. And he's a guy that, you know, Lamar Jackson can look towards and say, hey, man, you know, uh, what should I do on this play from your perspective? You know, Joe Flacco can't give Lamar Jackson the ideas that Robert Griffin III can because they relate to each other here. Robert Griffin III and Lamar Jackson do. You know, and the way both of these play styles operate, they're very similar. So when you have a guy like RG3 that's going to be able to mentor Lamar Jackson and, of course, show him what can happen if he doesn't get down, if he, you know, refuses to watch out for injuries, um, it's he, he could end up like Robert Griffin III. Robert Griffin III will be there, um, you know, to calm him down, to kind of get him to go through the motion of getting out of bounds, of getting down, of, of avoid the big hits, you know, especially Lamar Jackson's size. He, he's, you know, not the biggest guy ever. I mean, he's tall, but he's not, he's lean. So he doesn't have a huge amount of muscle on him. Um, and, you know, he could definitely get hurt with with being a running quarterback much more than a pocket passer could be. And with his build, I think it's probably more of an issue uh, than some other quarterbacks. But Robert Griffin III can kind of walk him through it and teach him to be more like uh, Russell Wilson, um, you know, in the future than what RG3 was in the past. Um, and that's a great asset for the Ravens again. I think this is a pretty good deal. Uh, $4.5 million over two years. Uh, 2.25 million average per year. That's very, very cheap for a solid, a very solid quarterback uh, as your backup. Now, um, you know, and it's not every day you can find one that fits the scheme perfectly, especially a scheme like this where it's going to be a running offense with passing and read options and everything else. This is all what 
RG3 can do. There's not a whole lot of quarterbacks out there that are, you know, that have the quality that RG3 does as a quarterback with the ability he has to to work in this offense. So it would have been difficult for the Ravens to find a guy out there, I think at least, who would have been able to do what, you know, fill that role that RG3 could. Uh, again, not only as a schematic, uh, from a schematic standpoint, uh, but from a mentor standpoint to Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, but overall, this is a great signing. And of course, we have the Heisman brothers as the quarterbacks here, uh, both RG3 and Lamar Jackson, Heisman winners. I believe they were five or six years apart. Not exactly sure on that. But moving on to our next piece of Ravens news, we're going to head up north a little bit just to Philadelphia here to give you our next piece of news. Uh, the Ravens confirmed that they will be uh, at least put in for a joint practice with the Eagles before the start of week three of the, reg- of the preseason, uh, and they hope to have a joint practice session with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe in Jacksonville. I don't know for sure, actually, on this. I think the Eagles um, plan to have it in Philadelphia, that's what I read. Um, I'm not exactly sure on this, the, the specifics yet because they, you know, the teams haven't really given us a whole lot of information here. But the Eagles will be hosting, uh, or the Ravens, whoever's, you know, it's irrelevant now. The Ravens will be having a joint practice with the Philadelphia Eagles before the week week three of the preseason and the Jacksonville Jaguars, hopefully before the preseason opener, of course. Um, there's the preseason schedule I don't believe is out yet, and the, and the NFL has to, I think, approve this, but I should go through. Um, and you can see, obviously, some of the um, the easiness with the Eagles. It's just up I-95 from Baltimore. This is not a hard you know place to get to. You've got the connection from, I think, Doug Peterson and, and John Harbaugh. Um, someone should correct me if I'm wrong, but we're on the same staff with Andy Reid in Philadelphia a long time ago, or at least have that Andy Reid connection. Um, and, you know, of course, Harbaugh being, you know, a former uh, Eagles coach, um, assistant coach, special teams coach, defensive backs coach, um, you know, he knows that area well. Uh, and he knows that Doug Peterson puts a very good football team out there, and it would be very beneficial for the Ravens to go up there against an NFC opponent somewhere they're not going to see this upcoming year and, you know, duke it out with them in the preseason and, and try to get better. I think it's a good move to have these joint practices. Uh, we had one with the Rams last year, and that worked out, I think, well. Um, for both parties involved, make, made both teams stronger, both made the playoffs, uh, you know, a team you can always look to to see, you know, making the playoffs. The New England Patriots are always having joint practices, so there's obviously some sort of strategy here, you know, just to build your team up. And, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, I don't think there's much of a connection there with the Ravens at all, um, but I think it would be a good, good team to face in the preseason. Obviously, you're going to have uh, Nick Foles, brand new offense down there, uh, someone who could be a threat in the playoffs if they make the playoffs. I don't know specifically if we play them next year. I don't believe we do. Um, but the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, I think, would be just a good team to match up in the beginning of the preseason, you know, with most of your backups in. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, Doug Marone down there is gonna is doing a nice job. Obviously, this year wasn't exactly great, but last year he did very well. And I think he's a good coach. So I'm excited to see what the Ravens can do in the practices against both these teams. Uh, this preseason. I think it's going to be beneficial again for both uh, parties involved here. Next up, we're going to move up to some non-Ravens news technically here, uh, and that's Justin Houston, the the outside linebacker, edge rusher that was rumored to be heading to Baltimore, or at least, you know, potentially be heading to Baltimore. He's not going to come to the Ravens at all. He signed a two-year, $24 million deal with the Indianapolis Colts, so he will be spending the next two years in Indianapolis. 
Um, and the 24 million mark was way more than the Ravens could afford with that 12 million average and 18.5 million dollars guaranteed for an above 30 year old pass rusher. I believe he's 30. Um, there's just no way the Ravens could have afforded it, plain and simple. If they're not going to pay Suggs, well, I think they offered Suggs, but he decided to go to Arizona. But if they're not going to pay Zedaria Smith, uh, and they're going to let a, a lot of these guys walk, um, and they're not going to pay C.J. Mosley, um, they're not going to pay Justin Houston $24 million over two years, $12 million per year. It would just be absurd. Um, and Justin Houston's a very good player. But the Ravens can't afford it. The Ravens just simply can't afford it. They spent money on Earl Thomas. They spent money on Mark Ingram. They still have about 19 or $20 million left. Uh, so they can go out and get make a big splash if they find somebody. Um, but, you know, I don't think this would have been a huge... Uh, well, it would have been a big move, but it wouldn't have been a very smart move to go out and pay Justin Houston quite a bit of money to come to Baltimore in his twilight years here. Um and expect our cap situation to be better. Eric DaCosta has been adamant, very adamant, about making sure this cap space is in good position moving forward after this year, or well, this year and, you know, in the future too. Uh, and he's not signing any sort of contract that's going to hinder the Ravens long-term. Seems like he's front-loading contracts, uh, especially with Earl Thomas's contract. It was completely front-loaded. Um, his guaranteed money goes down per year. If he gets injured, they can cut him pretty easily. Um, so, I mean... They're not going to sign anything that's going to harm them in the future, harm them at the present. They just want to make sure they have a good football team on the field with enough cap space for wiggle room in the future so that they can you know, make tough decisions. They can bring in guys that are going to come help, and they're not going to lose guys in the future like C.J. Mosley. Um, that's the key for the Ravens. And, of course, this is just solidifying that Justin Houston to the Colts, they have $100 million in cap space. They've barely spent any of it. Uh, so they had money to blow, and they just decided to pay Justin Houston what they could afford. It was all about what you can afford. If you have 80 to $100 million in cap space at this point in free agency, and you see a clear upgrade, then yeah, pay the guy, right? It doesn't matter, because that money's going to go to waste if you don't use it anyway. So as long as you don't tie it up um, you know, down the road, you should be okay. And I don't think the Colts did. I think they gave. I think they front-loaded it. If I, I haven't seen the specifics, but I would imagine they front-loaded this contract. Um so Justin Houston, the former Chiefs linebacker, the guy who got 22 sacks in one year, is out after being cut by them and heading to Indianapolis. Um, so the Ravens, obviously, are probably going to turn to the draft now, make edge rusher one of their top needs alongside wide receiver and offensive guard. But talking about wide receivers here, I want to talk about Chris Moore. Now, Chris Moore, we mentioned last week, a potential breakout player for this organization um, in the coming year now. Chris Moore um, is supposed to get more time next year. Head coach John Harbaugh uh, said that he had a conversation with Chris Moore this offseason, and Chris Moore asked him what his position was heading into the offense next year, and John Harbaugh basically told him it was his time to shine and get ready to roll because he's going to have a much bigger impact on this team next year. And I think it's a very good decision here. Um, by the Ravens to elevate Chris Moore to second or third wide receiver. I think we should see what he can do. Um, and I think he's got a lot of talent. He's got a good build. He's made great plays for the Ravens over the past couple of years. Um, so he definitely is a potential breakout player. I think he'll have a good chemistry uh, with Lamar Jackson. But doesn't mean the Ravens are going to stop at the wide receiver position uh, and, and just sit tight on where they are right now. 
head I'm sorry, general manager Eric DaCosta said the Ravens will look to the draft to address the wide receiver position um, as free agency wasn't really their objective this year. Um, and I think that's a smart move. Honestly, if you can get a guy who can come in here and be like a, a Nikhil Harry, who we're actually going to talk about in a, in a few minutes here, uh, and, and be a number one receiver, a big-time target for Lamar Jackson, can go up and get every pass, basically, that's thrown to him. You know, as and a young guy, too. Uh, you're going to have more success over a longer amount of time here uh, than if you keep bringing in stopgap veterans that the Ravens have constantly done basically year after year now who are going to underperform. Uh, it's no secret the Ravens, you know, Mike Wallace, uh, who didn't under, really underperform in the, in the one year he had. That was really good. Then the second year he kind of did underperform for the first half. Jeremy Macklin was a huge disappointment. Michael Crabtree, another huge disappointment. Steve Smith Sr. only had one really good year until getting hurt in 2015, and then 2016 was, mm, it was all right. It wasn't, you know, anywhere near what he used to produce. Um, but these stopgap veterans, I mean, they can only hold for so long. If you have a young quarterback, you want to get him big weapons. It's the same thing the Ravens did uh, when they originally had a very good offense around Joe Flacco. You know, Anquan Bolden came in uh, in his third year, I believe. They got Torrey Smith one year. I mean, they kind of loaded him up between 2010 and 2012 uh, with some weapons that he could use, and it worked out and got him a Super Bowl. So if they do the same thing with Lamar Jackson, I think it would be a smart move for the future, uh, and it should produce results pretty quickly. As long as they draft the right guy, we can't have another Brashad Perryman situation where we draft a guy with catching problems and hope he could just remedy it in the NFL because it doesn't seem to ever happen that way with guys who constantly drop the ball in college. Um, But just because the Ravens, now seem more focused on the draft doesn't mean they're going to stay out of free agency here. Uh, they have a few free agents on the market who I think they could come back and target here, uh, five to be specific, and I want to go through them all right here. Um, and the first I'm going to talk about is Brent Urban, the defensive end. Um, he's been with the Ravens for the, uh, at least the past four years. I think they signed him to a one-year deal last year. Um, Urban, born in 1991, uh, May 5th, 1991, so he'll be 28 at the start of next year, um, and he was drafted by the Ravens in 2014 in the fourth round. Um, he's had a lot of injury problems, but last year he was, I believe, pretty healthy. I think, he's, yeah, he was in all 16 games, uh, recorded 27 combined tackles, half a sack, two pass defenses. Uh, on the inside of that line, he's a pretty good player. Um, he can be a pass rusher, a, a run stuffer, um, and I think he provides... A, a good presence on that line, especially with some of the other defensive losses we have. So Brent Urban is probably the most likely candidate to be re-signed right now out of any Ravens player on the open market right now. But, you know, there's other guys here. We've got Buck Allen, who could be re-signed. Maybe not. He's still on the market. Um, I think he's a pretty good running back, more of a pass-catching running back. And the Ravens don't really seem – well, they have that in Mark Ingram, but would they bring Buck Allen back? I don't know, right? Again, they bring in Mark Ingram. They've got Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon. Kenneth Dixon and Gus Edwards did pretty well at the end of the year last year. You bring in Mark Ingram. You've got a good trio there. Do you bring back Buck Allen? Um, the only reason I think the Ravens would probably do that is if they wanted to set up a Buck Allen versus Kenneth Dixon brawl uh, in the preseason or a training camp this year because the problem is every year we go through the same problem with Kenneth Dixon, injury. Um and maybe Buck Allen can come back in here and take that his spot again because Kenneth Dixon shows his wear and tear again, and the Ravens think, 
we can't rely on Dixon anymore. You know, of course he had that suspension too, but he keeps getting injured over and over again. Um, you know, it's going to hurt us long term. I mean, I'm not saying it will. I'm saying this could be a thought for the Ravens. Um, and they could bring in Buck Allen. Now, if, if Kenneth Dixon stays healthy all offseason, maybe he's on the roster regardless. Uh, I would like to see him succeed because he has a lot of talent. I mean, a lot of talent. You could see it when he's on the field and he's, he's you know, getting those carries. He has a lot of talent there. But the injury question is concerned. Now, another running back the Ravens could bring back in, Ty Montgomery, uh, definitely a possibility for the Ravens um, You know, to return next year. But I really don't know at this point whether the Ravens would bring him. I mean, if they want to bring in another running back, it's going to be one of either Buck Allen or Ty Montgomery. And, of course, it will all be contingent on what happens with um, what happens with Kenneth Dixon. Uh, but there are other teams out there, I think, that could target these running backs. So they should get on the move quickly if they want to resign either. Uh, I don't know if they would, though, at this point um, in free agency when they have Mark Ingram on that three-year $15 million deal. Um, moving on, we we can talk about um, a guy who I think they're probably just not going to resign at this point, and that's Max Williams. Williams played fullback slash tight end. You know, who's a bit of everything for the Ravens last year and the year before. Um, but he, as a former second-round pick, never really panned out in the way the Ravens thought he would. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be a very big pass-catching tight end for the Ravens. And 2015, it just wasn't it wasn't there for him. 2016, it wasn't there for him. 2017, it just wasn't. It never really came to fruition that Max Williams, you know, would become the big pass catching tight end, the guy to replace Dennis Pitta. You know, it just never happened. Um, what the Ravens will probably do with him is just let him walk at this point. They re-signed Nick Boyle to a very good deal. They've got Hayden Hurst and that that first round pick who hopefully will become a very good pass-catching tight end. And if they, that doesn't happen, you've got Mark Andrews, who probably is the best pass-catching tight end on this roster right now uh, and could supplant Hayden Hurst as the future of the tight end position, even though he was a third-round pick. So the Ravens have three very good—I mean, three very different tight ends, too. Hayden Hurst is a guy um, who's going to be able to do basically everything for you. His size should allow him to, to block efficiently. Uh, he should be able to be a big catcher. Uh, Mark Andrews is a guy who's going to go vertical and just hit you deep, or hit you anywhere, really. I mean, he's a fantastic pass, pass catcher. Uh, and Nick Boyle is the league's best uh, blocking tight end, uh, without a question. Um, so, you know, you have tight ends who do all these separate things here. So the Ravens are really catered for the future here. Max Williams, he would just be a lower caliber Mark Andrews, I don't know how he would fit into this offense. I really just don't know how he would fit. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, the Ravens could bring him back for training camp if no one else does, but um, it would take a, a, a wonder turnaround for Max Williams to make this roster in 2019. Um, the final free agent I want to talk about that the Ravens could resign here uh, is Quincy Adeboyejo. Um You'll probably be familiar with Quincy Adeboyejo. Um, I believe he played, like, did he start playing in 2017? I don't remember. It was either 2017 or 2016. I believe it was 2017 he started, um, playing for the Ravens in that preseason, uh, and then got hurt, and I think played in one game for the Ravens at the end of the year, something like that. Um, and he, I mean, 
he had some very, very impressive plays in the preseason and training camp of 2017. Uh, but those injuries got to him, and the Ravens had to, you know, stash him on IR or wherever they put him. Um, but I think the Ravens, you know, like what they see in Quincy Adeboyajo, even though I believe he was injured for most of this year too. Um, he definitely has a lot of potential, and, and if he's healthy uh, for 2018, I'm sorry, 2019. Um, I think he could be a developmental wide receiver. Right now, you only have uh, Jordan Lasley, Jaleel Scott, Willie Sneed, Chris Moore at the wide receiver position. So you need to add at least two wide receivers between now and the end of the NFL draft. Maybe you fill it out with a, a wide receiver in the first or second round of the NFL draft, assuming the Ravens, of course, would go back into the second round because they don't have a second round pick right now. Um Maybe you find a free agent cap casualty that the Ravens want to sign, uh, but maybe they fill it out. Maybe they do. Maybe they do a a, a draft pick at wide receiver, and they bring back Quincy Adeboyejo to round out this receiving core. I don't really know so far, um, but the Ravens do need to add some wide receivers. It's very possible that they bring back Quincy Adeboyejo at least for training camp and see what he can do. All right, so we're nearing the end of the episode today, uh, episode 31 of Nest Talk, and of course we will talk about our draft prospect of the week, and now this week we'll be focusing in on Nikhil Harry. Um, we do have a prospect review of Nikhil Harry coming out, but um, and Greedy Williams actually is scheduled to come out today, but due to technical difficulties with uploading the video format, and it's just not cooperating at all. It wouldn't cooperate yesterday either. Um, I have no idea when it's going to come out. I would hope it would come out today, uh, this Wednesday here, March 27th. Maybe it comes out the 28th or 29th um, for either of these. I want to get Greedy Williams out first. I, I want to do that one first and then Nikhil Harry. So soon we'll see both of those players, but we're going to talk about Nikhil Harry today on the podcast. Um, Nikhil Harry, 6'2", 228 pounds, 33-inch arm length, 9.5-inch hands, 27 bench press reps at the combine. That's pretty darn good. Uh, 4.53, 40-yard dash, not the fastest guy in the world, but he's a very good pass catcher. He can go up vertical, too, 38.5-inch vertical jump and a 122.0-inch broad jump. Nikhil Harry is the type of player that reminds me of Anquan Bolden a little bit. He basically can just catch anything. He's got, you know, big size at 6'2", 228. Um, he's, I mean, when you watch the tape, when you see what I talk about on that tape, you're going to be amazed with what I see in Nikhil Harry. He's a very good player. I won't I won't spoil too much for the prospect review, but keep a lookout. The Ravens very possibly could draft him at number 22. It would make a lot of sense for the future and a lot of sense for the present as well. Well, that will wrap up today's episode of Nest Talk. I hope you enjoyed Nest Talk episode 31, recorded again on March 27th, 2019. Uh, I hope you all have a fantastic day, uh, and we'll see you next week when we return. Uh, and get, keep getting closer to the NFL draft. Uh, my name is Christopher Linfont, signing out for Nest Talk and BaltimoreFeather.com.